Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Manufacturing Culture Podcast, where we're diving deep into the world of emotional intelligence with none other than the game-changing mastermind, Phil Johnson. Not just your average CEO, Phil is the heart and soul behind the renowned Master of Business Leadership program that has been transforming lives and organizations for the last 31 years across the globe, from the Americas to Europe, the Middle East, and even the land down under. This incredible journey started in the humble town of Brantford, Ontario, Canada, where Phil was raised in a small two-bedroom bungalow as the surprise youngest of three boys. It was a simple home where he learned the essence of hard work and resilience from his factory worker father, a World War II veteran, and his devoted seamstress mother. His dyslexia, discovered only later in life, coupled with the heartbreaking loss of his mother when he was only 14, set the stage for a lifetime of empathy, perseverance, and emotional intelligence. Phil is no stranger to adversity. After failing grades three and five and being labeled a slow learner, he made a transformative decision that ignited his journey of resilience and determination. He turned adversity into fuel, becoming an A student through the remainder of his schooling. Four years later, he graduated at the top of his class from the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University, all while balancing football and basketball and working part-time. The story doesn't stop there. Phil further dove into the world of electrical engineering while kickstarting a 20-year career in the semiconductor industry. By the end of this exhilarating run, he was a corporate executive, globetrotting a whopping 60,000 miles per year through North America and the Pacific Rim. And just when you think you know where his story is going, he stepped away from the corporate world and rejected two vice presidential roles to pioneer a new path, creating the Master of Business Leadership Program. It's safe to say that Phil Johnson embodies emotional intelligence and resilience. From pulling copper wire out of factory dumpsters at the age of nine to driving global change in leadership practices, he's a living testament that emotions drive decisions and success. He's learned to harness his dyslexia as a force for enhanced awareness, connectedness, and agency, making him a force to be reckoned with in the realm of emotional intelligence. So buckle up, listeners, for an enlightening and emotional ride with Phil Johnson. This episode will challenge your thinking, tug at your heartstrings, and empower you to embrace your own emotional intelligence. Hello, Phil. Welcome to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. How is your Friday going? Uh, Great, Jim. It's... uh... It's a, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out of your your day. Uh, you're a busy, busy man. You, we were talking before we, we started recording. How many podcasts have you been on, Phil, in the last 18 months? Um, as a guest, um, a little over 100. Um, I also have my own podcast as well. So, What's the name of your podcast? It's called Master of Business Leadership. Okay. Just like the organization that, that you run there, huh? It is. 
Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, uh, for all of you out there uh, listening, please do check out Phil's uh, podcast. It, it, it's going to be a wealth of, of knowledge uh, about leadership, emotional intelligence, uh, and, and something that I think you all will gravitate to. So Phil, to start, could you help us define what emotional intelligence is? Uh, and, and really, is it possible to develop a, a, in a later stage of life? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's a, it's a good place for us to start our, our conversation. A, a very simple way to look at emotional intelligence is uh, it's a way to feel the fear and anxiety that that change triggers in us and be able to move through it towards what it is we're trying to achieve as opposed to allowing that fear and anxiety to keep us stuck in our comfort zones. So it's a, it's a very different type of intelligence than intellectual intelligence. Yeah. Uh, intellectual intelligence is largely genetic. Um, whereas not everybody can have 160 IQ. Everybody can develop their emotional intelligence. Uh, it's the, the development of emotional intelligence is an experiential process. It's not a it's not an intellectual process. Sure, absolutely, that makes total sense. Um, so, why, Phil, is emotional intelligence significant in today's world? Um, and, and you talk about you know one being uh, you know IQ and EQ and and the interconnectedness or lack thereof. Um, but can anyone develop their emotional intelligence? Is it like uh, developing leadership skill sets? Is it like developing the ability to, to dribble a basketball? Uh, yes, it is. Um, and yes, they can. Anybody can develop their emotional intelligence. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, and the, the ROI, uh, keeps getting greater as, as as we do. Let me uh, let me give you a kind of a numeric example between IQ and EQ. Perfect. By the way, UC, uh, UC Berkeley did a 40-year study comparing IQ with EQ, and they concluded that emotional intelligence was 400% more, more, more valuable in achieving success than intellectual intelligence. So think of intellectual intelligence as somebody giving you $10,000 a day for 31 days. So at the end of 31 days, you've got $310,000. I think of emotional intelligence as a penny that doubles in value every day. So day one, you have a penny. Day two, you have two pennies. Day 31, you have $10.7 million. <laughs> day 40, you've got over $5 billion. Day 50, you've got over $5 trillion. So the, the ROI... Uh, that comes from developing our emotional intelligence uh, keeps getting greater and greater. Wow. Um, it's far more valuable um, and far actually far more important because of the accelerating rate of global change we're facing than, uh, than intellectual intelligence. Wow. That's amazing. I, I can't get over that that statistic, the 400% more powerful than IQ. Um, tell us more about that study and uh, what, 
how would I, I'm having a hard time formulating questions here because that that number is so staggering. How, how would a, a dynamic like that uh, play out in uh, a technical field like manufacturing, where uh, uh, EQ is is more powerful than than IQ? Oh, it's hugely important. Um, the current level of employee engagement worldwide, according to Gallup, is around 13%. Low levels of employee engagement are costing the U.S. economy over a trillion dollars a year. Um, organizations, by and large, are, are quite toxic, meaning that um, people don't feel safe to take risk. So an organization's level of uh, engagement is in many respects a reflection of their level of emotional intelligence. As you increase the level of emotional intelligence within the organization, the level of uh, trust and engagement um, goes up automatically, and that leads to uh, far greater results. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. Um, it, and so in manufacturing, we, we have we're having a really hard time and we have been for decades finding people to fill roles. And so how you're talking about engagement, right? Which is post hire. Um, but how would emotional intelligence then also help people uh, retain uh, recruit and then retain the people that they need? Oh, the uh, creates a, uh, it creates a, a much more open and trusting environment that, uh, quite frankly, uh, people gravitate towards not only employees, but also customers, tell clients. Us more. Yeah, tell us more about that. Well, <laughs> um, oh boy, this, this gets into a much uh, deeper discussion, but um, developing emotional intelligence also uh, enables us to become, demonstrate trustability. Okay. And um, we unconsciously pick that up. We have specialized brain cells that because we've evolved over hundreds of millions of years from tribes, from herds, um, we've had to develop the ability to sense whether somebody's trying to help us or, or eat us. Mm -hmm. Um so we have these specialized brain cells in our prefrontal cortex that brain scientists called mirror neurons. That's why when you walk into a room, uh, you can sense the energy in the room. Or when you're having a conversation with somebody, you can sense whether they're trying to help you or, or hurt you. So as you, learn, as you develop your emotional intelligence, um, people automatically get the sense that they can lower their walls and be more of who they truly are around you. And um, that creates a much higher level of uh, trust and engagement. Wow. So how, how does that emotional intelligence then help someone uh, in their personal lives, their, their career, almost guaranteeing personal success? Uh, and, and I mean, you spent years in, the semiconductor industry. I'm sure you have some examples from the manufacturing industry. Can you share some stories? Uh, sure. 
this goes back some some year some decades but uh there at one time uh one of the people that reported to me um came in and he was quite upset that he had just heard that uh his customer uh that we were going to be uh 3 months late in uh delivering some prototype parts to his customer and uh his customer was upset he was upset everybody was upset mm-hmm. and um so i said okay let's let's find out what happened and let's go meet with our customer and uh talk with him so it turns out that um these parts were going through a production flow and one of the production managers um had a question about the markings to go on the devices. Mm-hmm. And so we pulled the parts out of the production flow, but forgot to put them back in. And um, the at best case, we were going to be at least two months delinquent in our first prototype shipment of these devices. Oh, wow. So that was the news we had to go and talk with the customer about. So I met with the customer the next day, and um, he was very upset. Um, and I said, you know, I, I completely understand, um, how you're feeling, but I wanted to tell you, um, why we're going to be late in our delivery and what we're trying to do to get you your devices as quickly as possible. Uh, secondly, I, if it was okay with you, I want to meet with your customer and explain to them why you're going to be late in your delivery of your product to them. Wow. And and so when I did that, his anxiety level, his anger uh was reduced quite a bit. So he was um he was worried that um he might lose his production business because of our inability to deliver our parts on time. So I met with his cu- client the next day, his customer the next day, and I explained the situation uh to one of the production managers there. And he said, "Well, that's not the best news in the world, but we can uh, we can change some things around, and we'll be fine." Thanks for uh, thanks for letting me know. But you wow. see, if I if I had if I had allowed the customer customer's anxiety to become my anxiety, I probably wouldn't have had the presence of mind to suggest the meeting with his customer, and. Um, we would have had a very different outcome. Yeah, that's a whole so, different level of accountability. So that's an example of how emotional intelligence can help us to uh, lower our walls of uh, of resistance and judgment and enable us to uh, turn challenges we face into potential opportunities for better results. Wow. I like that story and, and uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, but it, a lot of people in, in leadership positions or in the leadership training and development industry talk about accountability. And I see that story uh, that you just shared with us that takes accountability to a whole different level. How, how interwoven is accountability with emotional intelligence. It's very connected. Um, We're accountable to everybody for our actions, but we're not accountable for anybody else's actions. 
Um, but we are accountable for our actions. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Um, Phil, one of the things you sent me uh, after our first discussion was uh, a video about uh, uh, five monkeys, I believe. Can you share that uh, concept of the five monkeys with with the listeners today? Because I think that that's a really important uh, lesson and, and concept. Yeah, um, sure. The um, that story that's titled "Change Can Drive Us Bananas" is basically a story about how. See, we're only actually conscious about three to five percent of the time. The rest of the time, we're relying on our habits to drive the bulk of our behavior and our results. And most of the time, uh, we're simply reacting to situations without actually understanding why we're doing what we're doing. Mm. Um, so our current level, uh, the, the results we get cannot be greater than our current level of consciousness in order for us to get better results than we're currently getting we have to be willing to raise our level of consciousness that's fascinating um you've talked before about uh two primary sources uh of a motivation for change can you elaborate on those a little bit more sure um we don't like change doesn't matter whether the change is good or bad. We don't like change. We have a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. And there's, we have both biological and sociological resistance to change. Mm. But there's only actually two sources of motivation that will cause us to change, that will cause us to be willing to leave our comfort zone in the pursuit of better results. Mm -hmm. One of those is pain. The other one is passion. And for the most part, those individuals willing to leave their comfort zone um, in the pursuit of better results are usually motivated by a desire for better results, i.e. pain. Sure. So um, without that motivation to be able to do the work that change requires, um, we may want better results than we're currently getting, but we will not be willing to do the emotional labor that getting better results requires. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, you, you said the uh, ego fear uh, from the the going bananas, right? Uh, you talked about ego fear. <clears throat> How does that work specifically? Uh, uh, can you elaborate on that concept a little bit more? Uh, sure. Um, whenever we take an action to move us outside, that moves us outside of our comfort zone, there's a part of our old lizard brain called the amygdala that has been trying to keep us safe and alive by making sure we never leave our cave. Mm -hmm. um, and if we do, it automatically triggers the release of a hormone into our bloodstream called cortisol. And that causes the executive center of our brain or our prefrontal cortex to shut off. And we go into what psychologists refer to as an amygdala hijack. Some people lash out, some people run away, some people freeze like a deer in the headlights. And when that happens in conflict situations, 
people die. Wow. When it happens in business or personal situations, relationships die. We burn trust. So as an analogy, if you think of your amygdala as a very frightened four-year-old child, the development of our emotional intelligence acts like a big brother or a big sister to quiet the amygdala response down and better enable us to feel the fear and anxiety that change and innovation always triggers in us and be able to move through it towards what it is we're trying to achieve as opposed to allowing that fear and anxiety to stop us from leaving our comfort zone. Interesting. Wow. That's fascinating. Um, that you, you sharing that with me, uh, or with us, uh, reminds me of, uh, something you, you shared when we spoke last, uh, about a concept around sheep and sheep dogs and wolves, something around about that. But what you just shared, uh, triggered that thought process in my, my head, can you share that concept uh, a little bit more in relation to emotional intelligence in, in, in the workplace? Sure. Um, the more the more individuals that develop the emotional intelligence, their emotional intelligence, uh, the less toxicity that will exist in the organization. So as more and more people develop their emotional intelligence, the organization can heal itself from the inside out. So you can't have organizational change without individual change first. So individual change needs to occur before organizational or cultural change can occur. Interesting. Is emotional intelligence the key to, to unlocking that shift in, in from toxic to healthier or not toxic cultures? Yes. Interesting. Let me um let me go a little deeper here. Okay, great. Um what I'm about to say, I've been proving all over the world for the last 23 years and um involves energy physics. So here okay. goes. I'm going to describe the root cause of all drama, chaos and conflict and the solution in Wonderful. about 3 in about 3 minutes. <laughs> so I buck, can't wait. buckle up. I, I'm buckled. I'm ready. Let's go. When we're born, we're not born with a conscious mind. We don't start to become conscious until we're about a year or so old. But we are born with an unconscious mind. And we immediately start wiring up our brain, creating those neural network pathways that become our habits that we need to survive, to fit in, get food, all of that kind of stuff. And a lot of those habits unconsciously cause us to give away our energy. And we do it in lots of different ways. How we communicate, listen, take responsibility, make decisions, all sorts of ways. Mm -hmm. When we give away our energy, it creates an energy deficit in us. So at the same time, we're unconsciously giving away our energy. We're also needing to replace that energy by trying to steal it from other people. And that dynamic is going on inside of everybody, everywhere, all over the world, all the time, unconsciously. Wow. And that is the root cause of all drama, chaos, and conflict, war. Um, as I show people how they're unconsciously giving away their energy, and I give them better habits to practice to stop doing that. And when they stop 
giving away their energy, their need to steal the energy of other people goes away because they don't need it. And it's in that process that they become more inspirational leaders. They develop their emotional intelligence. They become more conscious of what's going on in them and around them, which frees them from their ego-based fears, which leads to higher levels of trust and engagement, which guarantees career, corporate, and personal success. What what would be an example uh, of somebody taking energy um, from a leader? Is that uh, you know pushing back too often in meetings? Is that let me give you an example? Yeah, please. Um, this is actually one of the master of business leadership habits called authentic listening. Okay. And the key to authentic listening is not to take anything personally, how somebody feels about you, whether they like you or whether they don't has nothing to do with you. It has to do with what's going on inside of them. But if how you feel about yourself is based on how somebody else feels about you, Who's running your life? You or them? Right. Well, it's yeah. them, right? Yeah. Um, so it's like, if you like me, I like me. If you don't like me, I don't like me. So that's one of the uh, ways we unconsciously give away our energy. Now, as crazy as that might sound, what I've just described is all of social media. Yeah. We bend over backwards, giving away our energy to get people to like us. Wow. And when we're doing that simultaneously, all of those billions of people are also needing to replace the energy that they're unconsciously giving away by trying to use often position-based power to control and manipulate others to steal their energy. Wow. And that dynamic is going on all the time. And is that connected to the positive hormones that are released when we get a like on social media or, you know, people engage with, it's, with content. Sure. It, it strokes our ego. Sure. And is that what then builds out those eager ba ego based fears or am I making a correlation that's not connected? Yeah, that's, that is, that is fear. That is you're, you're determining how you feel about yourself based on how somebody else feels about you. So they're in control of your life, not you. Wow. You're giving, you're giving up agency. You're giving up control of your life to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, and, the reality and we see that is, all the time. Yeah. The reality is if you like me, you know, whether you like me or whether you don't, shouldn't impact how I feel about me. Yeah. If you like me, that's great. If you don't, that's unfortunate. But either way, that's not going to impact how I feel about me. Couldn't that just be termed as self-confidence? Or sure. is that the, it, it's, is it all the same thing? It's all the same thing. Got it. So how, how does this concept then connect to, you know, without... Uh, one of my favorite things that you've said today and and in our first conversation is that there's no organizational change without personal change, right? right. So how right. can this connect uh, this ego-based fear, this, this understanding that uh, whether somebody else likes you or not, you need to like yourself, how can that help 
transform that personal change into organizational change? Great question. So let me give you an example of a company that's currently valued at over $3 trillion. And they're doing about $600 billion a year annually in sales. And their primary hiring focus is emotional intelligence. Wow. That company is Apple. (laughs) That's why when you walk into an Apple store, that energy you feel is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. They're not trying to sell you anything. They're trying to understand your pain and, if possible, offer a solution to your pain. We want you to have a great experience, and maybe you'll tell your friends, and they'll tell their friends. But if you think about it, the way you feel in that environment is very different from the energy coming out of the stores surrounding that environment. So that's an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. And because of the accelerating rate of global change, more and more companies are hiring, developing, and promoting largely based on emotional intelligence. So how do you measure that? If you're if you're an organization, say 50 people in the manufacturing industry, how how do you measure emotional intelligence when you're trying to find uh the succession plan for uh the the owner who's retiring or the the manager who's retiring in 5 years? Trust and engagement at the at the at the employee and at the customer level, profitability, revenue, uh, turnover. You you measure it at every level. Emotional intelligence has a positive impact on every aspect of the business. Wow, and what about hiring somebody? If if I'm <clears throat> if if I'm emotionally intelligent and I'm going through a hiring practice uh, or a hiring process to, to find uh, a new leader for my organization, do I automatically, am I able to automatically pick up on that emotional intelligence or, or how do I, how do I gauge uh, somebody else's emotional intelligence through an interview process? The answer to your question is yes. (laughs) The more emotionally intelligent you are, the easier it is to spot it or the lack of it in somebody else. Interesting. So you were talking about uh, the energy physics. Do different emotions have different energy frequencies? And great question. How can those? Okay. So how can those frequencies impact efficiency and productivity? Ah, great question. Let me just pull something up here. Every emotion has a unique energy frequency. I'm just pulling up a chart here. I can, um, let's see. So um, the when we raise our walls, when we're giving away our energy, um, the emotions that triggers are the lower frequency emotions like pride and grief and anger and fear and guilt and shame. Um, but as we learn to stop giving away our energy, it, it triggers higher frequency emotions like courage and acceptance and willingness and joy and peace uh, and love leading towards enlightenment. Wow. So, and, and by the way, um, the emotions that we're demonstrating 
by based on whether our walls are up or down, attract um, similar emotions. So people with their walls up that are giving away their energy attract other people with their walls up giving away their energy. When you lower your walls, you attract people with lower walls and people that would like to learn how to lower their walls. And that's how you become an inspirational leader. And by the way, um, leadership is not a position. It's a right. choice that we all need to make. If you need a title to get people to follow you, you're not a leader. Right. If your behavior, if your actions and results don't inspire followers, you're not a leader. Yeah. Um, so what, what happens as you start to uh, break down your walls and you, you're attracting others with lowered walls or others that want to lower their walls. What happens to the people in professional, personal lives that still have their walls up? Um, do Does your change start to affect them even if they're not looking to lower their walls or do they just kind of fade out of uh, the circle. There's a, a bit more information I need to give you to answer your question. Okay. Um, when people raise their walls, uh, what I call victims, um, a victim can't exist in isolation. Uh, victims travel in packs of other victims, but they don't like each other. They don't trust each other and they can never lower their walls around each other but they need each other. They have a, they have a codependent relationship. Mm -hmm. So as you develop more and more of the emotional intelligence within the organization, you're actually draining the pool of negativity, negative energy out of the organization. And you're forcing people to either change and lower their walls or leave the organization for a more chaotic organization. Um, so you can heal an organization from the inside out by developing the emotional intelligence of the individuals in that organization. Tell us how you got into this. How, how did you discover this? I mean, you had, you had such a successful career in the semiconductor industry, uh, grew up uh, modestly. Um, how, how did you discover emotional intelligence? How did this come about? Well, um, my dyslexia forced me to do a lot. My dyslexia kicked me out of my comfort zone from a very early age. And it forced me to do a lot of uh, what I refer to as emotional labor. Um, it wasn't my choice. Mm. Um, but, uh, but that emotional labor is what gave me the awareness, uh, the insights, that helped lead me down this path towards the development of the Master of Business Leadership program. Wow. So so where did you learn about emotional intelligence? I mean, uh, how long has a Master's of Business Leadership been around? A couple of decades at this point? Yeah, for uh, 23 years. So, um, But I, I've been on this path for 55 years. I'm, uh, I'm 70 years old. Okay. And I've been on this path for uh, for a little less than fifty five years, so this has been the uh, this has been the uh, the focal 
point of my life. And what I, what I do now is really coming full circle um, with the promise I made to myself 55 years ago in January of uh, uh, 1968. And that was, <clears throat> that was the snowy night uh, that's with, correct. Your, with, <laughs> yes. with your dog Duke, right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Okay. Uh, it was a great story. Uh, were these concepts was emotional intelligence, uh, researched at that point? Was there the connection? No. So, no. so where, I mean, how did you gravitate to it? If it wasn't really even a thing, I, that's, uh, I think yeah, where, by, uh, by, by making a lot of mistakes <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I just, there, we all have a natural pull towards what living and working on purpose means for us as individuals. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much, how hard I tried, I, I kept getting pulled back to, uh, to doing this work. I actually, when I look back over my life in one form or another, I've been doing this for probably 40 or 50 years. Um, but I've only been doing it professionally um, for the last 23 years. Interesting. Interesting. So Phil, uh, shifting gears a little bit, uh, in episodes where I interview shop owners, uh, manufacturing leaders, etc., I ask for three things that they've done to, to change their culture. I'm going to change that question a little bit for you. What are three things that leaders, with or without a title, again, but leaders in manufacturing can do to work out their emotional intelligence uh, on a day-to-day basis? Learn to become more present in the moment. Um, and, and a really easy way to do, learn to lower your walls by being more present. See, we're, 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 we're hardly ever in the present moment. We're usually trying to uh, uh, get to some mystically better future moment that's never going to arrive, um, or we're dwelling on some past moment that no longer exists. But the only time we can take an action, the only time we can generate a result, the only time we can do anything is in this moment. So the uh, the more present you are in this moment, the more influential you will be. Wow, that's powerful. Okay. What, what's a second tip? Bet on yourself by developing your emotional intelligence. Okay. And, and is there a third or do we want to leave it at two? Uh Leave it at two. All develop right. your emotion, develop your emotional intelligence and inspire others to do the same. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. Phil, what haven't I asked you uh, today that you want to leave as, as some final thoughts for me and, and, and the listeners of the manufacturing culture podcast? Yeah. Um, what I would say is the development of emotional intelligence represents a critical part of our development that's missing. Our educational system and our employment system has have failed us because they've focused on our ability to do intellectual labor and have done very little, if nothing, 
to develop our emotional intelligence. Wow. And because of the accelerating rate of global change we're, we're living in and will be living in throughout the bulk of this century, um, the development of emotional intelligence has become essential for our success, yeah. both as individuals and as organizations. So I would highly, highly recommend that people look into developing their emotional intelligence. The ROI will, will, will ensure that the rest of your life will be the best of your life. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. The rest of your life will be the best of your life. I'm going to have to uh, put that on a sticky note and put it uh, where I can see it every day. I like that a lot. Um, well, Phil, thank you very much for being on the, the Manufacturing Culture podcast. We, we again, really appreciate your time. Uh, it was uh, absolutely enlightening conversation. Thank you. My pleasure. It's great to be with you. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. What an amazingly fascinating conversation we've just had. We've journeyed through the world of emotional intelligence with the trailblazer himself, Phil Johnson. From defining emotional intelligence and discussing its increasing significance in today's fast-paced world, to revealing how it can guarantee success in both personal and professional domains, especially within the manufacturing industry, Phil has given us invaluable insights today. This episode has truly underscored the power of emotional intelligence in shaping trust, engagement, and overall productivity within the manufacturing industry. Who could forget Phil's account of Apple that has hardest EQ for exceptional success? Or really his detailed breakdown of how different emotional energy frequencies can impact efficiency and productivity in our manufacturing environments. It's clear that Phil's dedication to the development of emotional intelligence is paving the way for a revolution in leadership practices globally and the manufacturing industry in particular. For more in-depth discussions like this, be sure to check out our website at manufacturingculturepodcast.com. We've got an absolute plethora of other insightful episodes and resources for you to dive into. Remember, the Manufacturing Podcast is a community, and we want to keep this conversation going. So don't forget to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone that you would think would benefit from understanding the power of emotional intelligence in or outside of the manufacturing industry. Before you go, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and review this show. Your feedback helps us bring more of the content that you absolutely love, and it helps other manufacturing enthusiasts like yourself find our show because every time you rate and review, it sends us up the charts. So until the next time, have a great day and keep making things. Mm -hmm.